Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to sexual assault, sexual content, human suffering, mental conditions, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. You will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. With my abilities. I'm Adam. I mean, who doesn't want three hairs from Einstein's mustache? I'm Kelly. Well, aren't you the lucky one? Most people that find their way to Stalin's office unguarded are dead. I'm Andy. For the next 45 minutes, you will find everything extremely funny. I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm going to need you to look deeply into my eyes, because today we're talking about hypnosis. Oh, God, I'm a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't started yet. Oh, (laughs) I just just wanted you to know. (laughs) I've pre-hypnotized one of our hosts to make this go a little faster. See if you can guess by the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) So hypnosis is pretty simple. In Greek, hypno is sleep and osis is a condition. So like hypnagogic or psychosis hypnoosis mhm and the phobia of being hypnotized is hypnophobia but this also doubles as fear of sleep since hypno also means sleep yeah. i'm afraid of being put to sleep on stage yeah <laughs> i thought i'd start today with a little bit of history before we got to our quiz trance like states have been around since mankind discovered opium so <laughs> practically forever but The idea of one person putting another into this state and getting them to do something they wouldn't normally do is a bit newer. It more or less got started by Franz Mesmer in the late 1700s. Oh, I love Mesmer. (laughs) And if you've never heard of this guy, his story is worth a read. He's kind of a kook. He decided that everything was controlled to some degree by magnetism. Moreover, Mm. there was a special kind of magnetic fluid that was in all living things, and it could make them do things. It's called blood. It's full of iron. (laughs) Magneto was right. Basically, he thought of metachlorines about 200 years before anybody else. (laughs) Is that all the force is? Just magnetism? Yep. Yep. He called this theory animal magnetism. And he wanted to use his magic magnet fluid to help people. And indeed, he put forth the theory that especially good doctors were blessed with lots of animal magnetism. (laughs) Just look at Dr. Doolittle. Look at Dr. Sexy over there. (laughs) He didn't get a lot of respect from the medical community at the time, but he did convince one talented French doctor named Charles Delson. And that doctor went on a lecture tour. Another man named James Braid went to one of these lectures and watched Delson set. He sat knees to knees with a patient, stared into their eyes, and then passed his hands over the patient for a long time. He got results, but Braid thought all the magnetism was a bunch of hooey. He believed the patient had entered a trance and had become susceptible to suggestions. He ran his own experiments testing this and had some success. Though he was also treated with skepticism. 
He named his technique hypnosis, but they have forever been lumped in with mesmerism, the animal magnetism theory of Frank Mesmer. When I snap my fingers, your scoliosis will be cured. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a little bit of background on hypnosis and how we got it. So our quiz today is a little short, but we've got some pretty good stories to make up for it. So true or false, hypnosis has been used to help with childbirth. I could see that. Let's say true. There is a type of birthing called hypnobirthing, so I'm going to say true. Yep, this is true. It's not a huge movement, but using hypnosis to get women through labor is definitely a thing. According to one survey of women who used hypnosis for birth, 23% requested an epidural. The average without hypnosis is about 50%, so it could help a bit. But remember, to request hypnobirthing, not hippobirthing. (laughs) (laughs) Hypnobirthing just sounds like a fetish. (laughs) No, that that would be... uh... What do they call it? Orgasmic labor. Mm. Hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> so like, haven't you heard of the seven orgasmic labors of Hercules? <laughs> <laughs> I missed that chapter. So true or false, hypnosis is used in the judicial system. Oh, I'm going to say true and be disappointed. It's like when they're looking for serial killers and stuff, and they, they start asking psychics where they are. <laughs> I sure hope not. Mm-hmm. This one's a bit iffy. It's mostly not used, but it has been used in the past. As far as I could tell, no one has ever hypnotized someone and then asked them if they did it, but people have tried to dredge up more memories of an event using hypnosis. As we learned in our Satanic Panic episode, you don't so much dredge up (laughs) memories as make up brand new ones, so this practice has been banned in several states. This is what you remember. Witchcraft. (laughs) You only have one fill-in-the-blank here. When it comes to being hypnotized, there are three kinds of people. Highly, moderately, and minimally susceptible. What are the percentages for each of those? And which one are you? Yeah. 1%, 50%, and 100%. Well, that's 151%, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, give, I give my all plus some. Yeah, that's how much Andy gives to the show every yeah. day. So let's do 1%, 19%, and 70%. Well, what was the price? 80%. Again? 90%. I'm bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you're the only one taking a math class right no, now. No, but it's for elementary schoolers. I haven't reached percentages. <laughs> I can't do fractions. I'm going to say, let's see if I can do math. <laughs> we'll say 10%. 90 left. <laughs> uh, Look at the human calculator over here. 20%. 70 left. And 70. Zero left. <laughs> I think medium's going to be most of it. So mm. that's going to be 60. 40% left. <laughs> and then highly 30. That's 10% left. Yeah. And uh, low 10. Mm. Put Sean in the sunlight. He's losing power. <laughs> High is 10%. Kelly, you were right that the middle is the biggest slice. It's a nice bell curve. Moderate is 65% and low is 25%. Okay. I got my highs and my lows mixed up. But you were pretty close on the the breakdown there. So we're on to... Wait, everyone has to say where they think they fall. Oh. Oh. I'm curious. For susceptibility? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'd say medium to high. Yeah. I think I'm extremely low. Yeah. I am so paranoid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm moderate, I think. We'll get into it, but I've been hypnotized, so I know I'm at least moderate. 
why I have him under hypnosis right now. <laughs> That's the whole basis for the show. So we're on to our terms. What is a glass harmonica? It's this instrument made of glass. Mm-hmm. I think I know. I, isn't that an instrument that Ben Franklin made? And it's like mm. it's like singing glasses, but it's on like a, a horizontal bar and they all spin. Hmm. A glass harmonica is a, a special tuning harmonica that makes a, a pitch that hypnotizes people. <laughs> My actual guess is that it's some sort of stage trick where you hypnotize someone and tell them they're playing a glass harmonica, but they're just like <laughs> blowing into the air. <laughs> just going, <sighs> I'm a blues master. <laughs> <laughs> Made a deal with the devil. <laughs> so yeah, Adam nailed it. This was invented by Benjamin Franklin, and it's a spinning dowel spearing the center of nested glass bowls. The dowel spins, and you touch the bowls to produce that singing wine glass sound. Only you can do it with like eight tones at once. That's pretty cool. That's pretty bad. Yeah, we have a recording to for us to listen to here. Are we going to slip into a suggestible state? Imagine what Ben Franklin could have accomplished if he just set his mind towards doing science instead of whores. <laughs> he did a bit of both. Yeah, he dabbled. <laughs> Whore science. <laughs> Those are his assistants. Emphasis on the ass. Hi, it's me, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> but you didn't think I'd talk like this. One of the founding fathers never wanted to be president. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah. I mean, if you were to... Ask someone to describe the sound of hypnotism. I feel like this gets pretty dang close. Yeah, I like how it also has the, the golden stuff to show the different notes. Oh, yeah, it's like the black piano keys. It gets yeah. a little shrill at points. Yeah. I think that's just the quality of that instrument. Mm-hmm. So Frank Mesmer became fascinated by this crazy thing, and he thought that it could induce a hypnotic state. This instrument and several other ethereal sounding things are the center of music hypnosis. It's thought that music hypnosis can induce action without the listener being aware of it. Hmm. But can it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I started banging my head randomly. <laughs> <laughs> what is hypnoidal? Hypnoidal is going to ruin your pizza. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to steal pizzas and play music <laughs> all over them or something. Uh, oh, maybe the hypnoidal is like a, he's a patsy. He's been hypnotized into stealing our pizza. Oh, no. Adam Nanoid didn't steal it. He ruined it. Oh, did he? That's why they had the little tables. In the middle of your pizza. So the Noid couldn't stamp on it. He's not very strong, is he? (laughs) (laughs) He's only like two feet tall. His box is like a fortress. (laughs) Hypnoidal is the gland that makes the magnetic fluid in my body. (laughs) You're going to have to take out my hypnoidal. (laughs) I think uh, hypnoidal is another word for hypnotizable. Mm. Because that's a mouthful. (laughs) Now, there are different scales of hypnosis, but in this one, there are three states. Hypnoidal, which is a light sleep and mild susceptibility. Cataleptic, which is a deep sleep and moderate susceptibility. And somnambulism, where you can basically get them to do whatever the hell you want. A somnambulist. That's where mm-hmm. nambula comes from. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> So these are basically, if someone's being hypnotized, they'll go down to one of these three states. So what's an anchor? It's, it's like the the thought that you put in the person's head. It's like, okay, you're going to think about, I don't know, a cat. And as I count down, the cat is going to get closer and closer. When the cat touches you, you are asleep. That's what makes the ship stay. <laughs> Very good, Adam. It's that spinny top in uh, Inception. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. 
Now, in the Manchurian Candidate, this is the trigger. So it's a sight, sound, or touch that causes a currently or previously hypnotized person to do something. Should have just called it the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also what they're known as. Mine was Orange mm-hmm. Monkey Eagle. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he's been activated <laughs> by himself. <laughs> he told me those words. And that concludes our acid pop quiz. You think uh, if you knew your own trigger, you could, like, motivate yourself artificially to do stuff? Probably. That's we just right. learned about that in our placebos episode. Rutabagas. Now do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Self-hypnosis is a thing. It's true. But what if I put myself in a hypnotic state and I can't get back out? Oh, God. I, I told myself to be in hypnosis, but I didn't follow up on, on it. Told myself to relax, and now I can't stop. <laughs> I can't get off the floor. <laughs> I'm just so calm. All of my clothes have been replaced by Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> I've become Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I'm wasting away again. <laughs> trigger is Margaritaville. <laughs> So we're on to our stories. Uh, I put these in chronological order because I was struggling to rate these from least to most horrible. First, let's talk about a poor woman named Ilma Zandor. That's a cool name, though. It is a cool name. Some sort of sorceress. It sounds like somebody that Ghostbusters would fight. (laughs) (laughs) She was a Hungarian woman in the late 1800s, and she was prone to hysterics. She went in for some help, and hypnosis was tried. Now, as we discussed, hypnotic susceptibility is sort of a scale. If zero is not susceptible at all, Zandor scored a perfect hundred. (sighs) She was so incredibly easy to hypnotize (laughs) that the medical community at the time couldn't help but treat her like a lab rat. (laughs) Hypnosis- Couldn't help. Yeah. Heroic medicine. It's hurtful for being so susceptible. (laughs) (laughs) Hypnosis was just getting started and the- medical profession as a whole was interested in the limits of this strange technique, so they decided to try them all on poor Xandor. Basically, if any doctor had some wacky idea about something hypnotism could do, it was tried on her. For months, she was hypnotized several times a day, and then told she was a chicken, or that she couldn't move her arms, or in a particularly troubling experiment, she was told that a pair of scissors were red hot. The scissors were then pressed against her skin, and she screamed in agony. Later, blisters appeared where the scissors had touched her skin. Good work, doctors. (laughs) After several months of this, she was completely psychologically broken, and she was shipped off to an insane asylum. Goodbye. It's going to wreck your, like, reality check. Yeah. Not to mention, this doesn't seem very helpful. Like, (laughs) proving that you could do it on the most susceptible person on the planet doesn't speak much for its efficacy in general. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if it doesn't work on her, it's not going to work on anybody. So you at least know it's out. In 1894 in Kansas, Anderson Gray gave a loan to his neighbor, Thomas Patton, in exchange for some land between their two properties. Patton later came to repay the debt and reclaim his land, but Gray countered with a brilliant no take backsies. <laughs> legally binding. <laughs> the case went to court, but Gray had an amazing idea. Apparently, Gray was an amateur, though very talented, hypnotist. He went to Thomas McDonald, a sort of ranch hand on his estate, and as a test, he hypnotized McDonald into thinking that Patton had said some mean things about his wife. McDonald stormed over to Patton's place and gave the bewildered Patton an earful. 
Since it seemed to be working, Gray again hypnotized McDonald and commanded him to kill Patton. Oh, God. <laughs> that ex- escalated quickly. Yeah. Right, that had up to, to 11. Had to wait until World War II, but it happened. That's the <laughs> car crash. <laughs> now, McDonald couldn't shoot a barn from inside it, but Gray's hypnosis was so powerful that McDonald became an elite sniper. <laughs> and as Patton rode by on a horse, McDonald shot Patton through the heart. Both Gray and McDonald were arrested and sent to trial. Gray was up first, and he admitted to hypnotizing McDonald, but was all like, come on, who would possibly fall for that? (laughs) The jury disagreed, and Gray was hung. Next up was McDonald, who was all like, that magician hypnotized me! (laughs) The jury nodded sympathetically, and McDonald was pronounced innocent. Well, I I suppose that's... Fair? I don't know. I'm suspicious. (laughs) Oh, no. I was hypnotized. Also, some money may have exchanged hands. (laughs) That parcel of land. It's mine now, right? Yeah. So in 1899, there was a woman who basically threw up every time she ate something. Her doctors figured that it wasn't a food allergy or anything, so they thought it must be some sort of psychological problem. They decided to give hypnosis a shot. First, a doctor tried to induce in her the willpower to keep the food down. This worked once in a hypnotic state, but as soon as she exited the state, she went right back to throwing everything up. (laughs) Several other doctors tried basically the same thing, but the results were always the same. Then, a doctor had an inspiring idea. He told her that her trigger would be finishing a meal, and when her trigger happened, she would forget that she had eaten. Mm. Worked like a charm. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Nope, that's it. That's the end. <laughs> I thought she was just going to keep eating and eating. Nope. Like that scene from Constantine where the guy's trying to drink the alcohol, yeah. but it's just food for her. Like, oh. <laughs> it's a nightmare. I guess she figured she wasn't hungry. Yeah. Only eat when you're hungry. And then she thought she'd never eaten again in her entire <laughs> life. It's a little strange. I keep on getting food bills. It's weird. <laughs> Instead of a restaurant and she hands her the bill. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for my meal. <laughs> Quit bringing me these dirty plates. I'm not even hungry anymore. I'm leaving. <laughs> in 1924, Professor Maximilian Langster was giving a demonstration on hypnosis and he asked for volunteers. A man went up on stage and Langster immediately had him in a hypnotic trance. He asked him what he did for a living and the man said that he was a police officer. Langster decided to have some fun and had the man arrest another volunteer. That got some laughs, so he handed the officer a block of wood, told him that it was a gun, and that the audience was full of criminals. Uh. Then he told him to shoot them. The officer tried with the block of wood, but when he realized his wood block was out of ammo, he grabbed his revolver and resumed shooting. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Three people were killed. Jeez. It's adorable. (laughs) Probably should have checked the, like, are are you an open carry kind of guy? Yeah. So in 1938, in Glendale, California, a pregnant woman named Marie Columbos was more than a little worried about the whole labor thing. She'd heard about a hypnotist named Robert Gilbert, who apparently had helped a woman get through labor painlessly through the use of hypnosis. The great Gilbert agreed to help her out, and he went to her house for a practice run. Too much time went by, and some concerned neighbors called the police. The police arrived to find Columbos laying on the couch, arms crossed on her chest, a faint smile on her face, and very, very dead. Vampire. (laughs) The great Gilbert was all like, I don't know what happened. She just collapsed, so I picked her up and set her on the couch. I was totally just about to call you guys. 
An autopsy was performed, but nothing looked odd, so Columbus was buried. Meanwhile, Gilbert was in court vehemently claiming that hypnosis wasn't dangerous and she must have just died. <laughs> Columbus was dug up for a second opinion, but still nothing. Gilbert was sentenced to two to five years in jail, but that got overturned because they had nothing on him and he went free. <laughs> oh God, now he can just hypnotize anybody into death. Yeah. People have had a fascination with hypnosis since its conception, both in asking questions like, does it really work? And in trying to make some money off of it. It's because it's weird. It is weird. In 1946, the BBC tried to do the second when they filmed a hypnotist to broadcast on public television. Now, there was nothing sinister here. He just put people into a hypnotic state. Before the show aired, they did a test run on 12 members of the staff. Five of them went to sleep. They tried again with six new staff members, and four of them went to sleep. Two of them were so deeply in a hypnotic trance that the hypnotist had to be called back in to wake them up. They're asleep to this day. He left while they were still asleep? Uh, well, there was a recording. Oh, okay. The trigger is true love's kiss. <laughs> You're all princesses now. <laughs> Worried that they might end up with a city full of Rip Van Winkles, they decided not to air the show. Huh. We hold too much power. Yeah. Sounds like the beginning of a Batman cartoon. <laughs> if you're listening to the radio in your car. Yeah. No. <laughs> Around 2010 in Florida, a principal at a high school named George Kenny was really into hypnosis. He thought that it was a super effective way of helping people deal with their troubles and frequently hypnotized students and faculty. The school district kept telling him that it wasn't really ethical, and if he wanted to hypnotize someone for, say, a psychology class or something, that was okay, but he couldn't just go around hypnotizing people all the dang time. <laughs> this seems illegal or something. Stop doing yeah. There's no rules against it, but it's creepy, mister. <laughs> <laughs> and take off that cape. <laughs> Kenny was all, what do you guys know, and kept it up. Things were going fine until April 8th of 2011 when Wesley McKinley was found dead at home. During the investigation, it came up that Kenny may have hypnotized the student. He said, well, sure, lots of times, but I hypnotize lots of people. It turned out that the month before, Marcus Freeman had died in a car accident, apparently while trying to utilize the self-hypnosis techniques he'd learned from Kenny. Then in May, Brittany Palumbo, who Kenny had hypnotized to help with her test anxiety, did poorly on a test and hung herself. Jeez. Now, this may have all been coincidence, but three deaths in three months was too much for the community. So it's damned hard to make things stick in a hypnosis case, but Kenny had his license revoked and served a year of probation. Uh, but that was all. I mean, they did tell him to stop. <laughs> yeah. Next up here, 2014 in Ohio, an unnamed woman was going through a divorce and went to see her lawyer, Michael Fine, to discuss her case. Afterwards, she was headed home and noticed that her bra was all twisted wrong and her crotch was wet. Hmm. She thought, what the heck happened during that visit? But when she tried to recall it, there was just a blank. This happened a couple more times, and she was really getting bothered by the fact that she could never remember anything that happened in Fine's office. So, you really want to remember your meetings with your lawyer. Yeah. Important. So the next time, she decided to bring a tape recorder. Later, when she played it back, Fines was telling her to do all kinds of kinky, naughty things. And mm. he ended the session by saying, you'll only recollect that we were talking about your case until we see each other again. Do you understand? <laughs> she Weird. couldn't remember a single thing. 
She went to the police with her tape and the police decided to wire her up and put a video camera on her as well. And then they sent her back with reinforcements waiting outside. It's weird. Why are you wearing that 10-gallon hat? (laughs) (laughs) As soon as the door was shut, Fines hypnotized the woman and was basically telling her to get ready for the orgasm of her life when the police bust in. Freeze! (laughs) The police began to question his other clients and found a similar pattern. Early in their meetings, he would have them do some breathing exercises to help them relax and have them watch the space between his fingers. And that's about the last thing that they remembered. In the end, Fines pled guilty to five counts of kidnapping and one count of attempted kidnapping, all which were tagged with sexual motivation. Kidnapping? Huh? But they didn't, he didn't like take people anywhere. No, but I guess he was holding them against their will, even if temporarily. One, if I'm going to see my lawyer, is like, hey, let's do some relaxation techniques. No, you're my lawyer, not my therapist. (laughs) So he was sent to jail for 12 years and labeled as a sex offender. Damn. People getting hypnotized and then raped seems to be a somewhat regular occurrence. Through just a bit of Googling, I found a case every few years. Uh, This was just the biggest one that I could find. I won't go into the other cases because I didn't want to bring the mood down too much. (laughs) Delightful. I really didn't. I mean, I had always heard that hypnotism, like that it could work in like limited circumstances, but it couldn't make you kill people or actually forget things or anything. This is kind of shocking. It was always like you couldn't really do anything that you didn't already kind of want to do. Yeah. You still had a lot of willpower, I guess. The thing is like, well, for one, there's, as I mentioned, there's like different levels of being hypnotized. So there's certainly some things that are true for most people, but not for some. And then I think there's just the fact that people don't really take hypnotism very seriously. So it hasn't been studied all that successfully. So maybe it can do this stuff and we just don't really realize it. And somebody said, oh, you can't do anything under hypnosis that you wouldn't normally do to make everyone feel better. It's a comforting myth. Yeah. Oh, no, witchcraft isn't real. (laughs) Monsters aren't real either. Why does that guy have a flashlight shining in his eyes? Bella Lugosi. (laughs) (laughs) So lastly, I wanted to talk about a man that, if the stories are true, is an example of a person with superpowers. And most of the time, he seemed a bit bewildered by them. uh, And this is the story of Wolf Messing. Does anybody know this guy? No. No, but I like his name. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a superhero or something. (laughs) I hadn't heard of him either, but this is a pretty incredible story. And uh, this is basically from a autobiography that wasn't written by him. It was written by a friend of his, and it's basically just a bunch of firsthand accounts. So take these with a grain of salt, but still pretty incredible story. I'll get the salt. (laughs) So he was born in 1899 in Poland. Now, his dad was a Jewish man and he was very devout. He really wanted Wolf to go to a Jewish college and eventually become a rabbi. Wolf was kind of on the fence about it as a kid, which seems fair. So his dad decided to stage a miracle. (laughs) What a good dad. You know, like most miracles. One day at sunset, he dressed in giant white robes and approached his son. He claimed to be a messenger of God and told Wolf to be a religious man. My son. Dad? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's a metaphor. Trouble was, this plan kind of backfired. Wolf immediately knew that this guy was his dad, and it made him question other miracles. Uh Uh-oh. Now, I don't know if it was because of this or something else, but when Wolf was 11, he ran away from home. 
and not in a I'm going to circle the block to make you guys feel bad for yelling at me sort of way. He went and hopped on a train and headed to Berlin. Well, yeah, every time his dad wants him to do something, he's dressed up in some crazy outfit and pretending to be somebody else. <laughs> you don't want to disappoint Santa Claus, now do you? <laughs> Why would Leonardo da Vinci be asking me to do this? <laughs> now, he was flat broke, so he tried to sneak onto the train. Turns out Wolf is terrible at sneaking, and a ticket inspector spots him and runs him down. No ticket. Yep. The inspector demands to see a ticket, and Wolf, quaking in his shoes, hands him a blank piece of paper. The inspector looks at it and says, Geez, kid, why are you acting so jumpy if you have a ticket? Well, have a nice day, and he wanders off. Thank you, blind conductor. (laughs) (laughs) This was the first clue that there was something different about Wolf. He made it to Berlin, and he eventually joined a traveling circus as a psychic. Thing is, most psychics practice open-ended statements and jump to positive signs from people. Wolf just seemed to say what he thought other people were thinking, and he was right. People would hide things, and he would walk straight to them. He got real famous real fast. So much so that after a show one night, Sigmund Freud and Albert Einstein stopped by to talk to him. They were very interested in learning the tricks behind his abilities, but he kind of shrugged and said he didn't know what to tell them. He just kind of did stuff. Freud and Einstein walk into a circus? Yeah. (laughs) He has the superpower of hunches. (laughs) So Freud said, okay, prove it. He gave him a look and said, all right, think about something you want, anything, and I'll see if I can get it. And Freud's thinking, not my mom, not my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Freud thought for a moment and said, okay, got it. Wolf nodded, walked out of the room, grabbed a pair of tweezers, walked right up to Einstein, and plucked three hairs out of his mustache. He held them out to Freud and said, was this what you wanted? That was, in fact, exactly what Freud had been thinking about. Been wanting to do that for years. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in interviews, Wolf would say that he didn't do anything special. He would just watch people's facial tics and listen to their intonations to learn what he needed. But... I don't care how expressive your face is. There is no way you could raise your eyebrows hard enough to tell someone to go get you three hairs from Einstein's mustache. It's the last thing I needed for my potion. (laughs) Now, Wolf has all the stories from his escapades as a psychic, plus the endorsements from the world's greatest psychologist and physicist. So he is officially a rock star. Trouble was, he was a Jewish rock star in Germany. In 1930. Whoops. Not a great time. During a conversation in 1937, he said that if Hitler invaded Poland, death would be waiting for him. To me, this doesn't even sound like that much of a prediction. Generally, things don't end well for leaders who invade other countries, but it pissed Hitler off something fierce. He put a 20,000 Reichmark bounty on Wolf's head. Wolf decided to flee to the USSR. Along the way, a German soldier identified him and knocked him out before he could turn his brain into porridge. Wolf woke up in jail, looked around, and called the guards. When they showed up, he said, something's not right. The floor of my cell is covered in diamonds! (laughs) (laughs) The guards said, it is! And they threw open the door and started scrabbling on the ground to pick up all the diamonds. I shall send you to St. Louis. Wolf calmly walked out of the jail and carried on to the USSR. Maybe his superpower is just confidence in what he's saying. (laughs) Yeah, could be. Once there, he carried on as an entertainer until one night he returned backstage to find Stalin himself waiting for him. 
Now, Stalin chatted with him for a bit and then said, why don't you come see me at my office tomorrow? This statement carried a lot more weight than it usually does. First off, Stalin was not the sort of person that you said no to. Second, Stalin's office was at the center of one of the most heavily guarded locations in the USSR, and Stalin hadn't given him any sort of pass or clearance. (laughs) The next day, Stalin was sitting in his office when he heard a knock at the door. He opened it to find Wolf standing there. Stalin asked how the hell he had done that, and Wolf shrugged and said, I just sort of thought that everyone should think I was the head of the secret police. No one even stopped me, or even asked me. They just nodded and let me pass. Stalin then killed all of his guards again. (laughs) I'm the head of your secret police. (laughs) Thanks for the job offer. (laughs) That would have been enough for me, but Stalin wanted more proof. He drove Wolf to a bank in the middle of a day and told him to go get 100,000 rubles. Wolf grabbed a blank piece of paper, walked up to the teller, and said, I'd like to cash this check for 100,000 rubles, please. Handed over the blank paper, and the cashier said, yes, sir, went in the back, came back with 100,000 rubles, and wished Wolf a good day. He's got that uh, that ability from the movie Push. Yeah. Stalin killed the banker. <laughs> <laughs> After that, Wolf basically spent the rest of his life being renowned as a wizard. <laughs> it seemed that every time someone asked him to prove it, he just did. Right then and there. No buildup, no hand-waving, he'd just do something unbelievable. Now, I would have thought that Stalin would have been freaked out by a wizard, but it seems like no one wanted to mess with him. Or if they did, they were persuaded to change their minds. (laughs) He died in 1974 at age 75 from complications during a surgery. Oh, jeez. So was he a wizard? It's hard to say. I never met him. Pretty crazy. That quote where he's just like, yeah, I just watched some guy's eyebrows wiggle and then I'm the secret police, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the last of the stories that I had. Anybody have any hypnotism stories? I saw a stage hypnotist once. What's your trigger? I, I, I wasn't hypnotized. Right. What? <laughs> Are you there? Wink. Well, I was hypnotized in a stage show like that. Yeah. Sean started yeah. taking off all of his clothes. You know, I actually don't really remember very vividly what happened. Like the guy brought up like 20 people or something. And this was when I was in high school. And then like basically he put us all into a hypnotic trance and then the way that he just he tested to see if you were or not was he said that we were all on a game show and that we would win like a thousand dollars if we could answer this question and then the question was what is your name but he told us before that as soon as we thought of the answer we'd forget what it was (laughs) and so then he just went around and asked everybody their name and if the person still knew their name he was like well you're not hypnotized you can go sit down but uh me and a friend of mine couldn't remember not only could we not remember our names but we looked at each other told each other our names and still couldn't remember what they were <laughs> like i'd look at my friend like what's my name he's like it's sean i'm like no my name what's my name <laughs> and uh i can't really remember what mine was it was something kind of silly but i do remember my friends pretty vividly because he basically brought three of the people forward one of them was my friend and told them that they were all standing on hot coals, but they each had a special technique for dealing with the heat. And one person's was to breathe really, really hard. (laughs) And another person's was to dance like a ballerina. And then my friend, he told him that he didn't even notice the heat of the coals. Like they just felt like normal to him, but that he loved those Twinkie snowballs. (laughs) And so like, then he started them up and the one person's over on the side just going like... (sighs) 
and then the person in the middle is kind of spinning around and then my friend's just kind of standing there looking at the other two like they're crazy <laughs> and the contest was see who could stay there the longest and then he brought out a little plate with two snowballs on it and my friend just like lunged at it and just like immediately gobbled down one of the snowballs crazy. and uh the guy was like what happened there why'd you why'd you jump off the coast like well I like snowballs. He <laughs> uh, was like, all right, you can go sit down. And he turned to walk back to his seat. And as he did, he grabbed the second snowball and ate it on his way to his seat. And then afterwards, my friend was like, I hate snowballs. I can't stand them. But yeah, that was the only uh, experience I had with being hypnotized. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Nope. I am not a volunteer from the audience. No. Stay away from me. <laughs> my brain... Very protective of it. The guy that I saw was was like, okay, I want everybody to try to get hypnotized as I'm hypnotizing the people on stage, and maybe uh, you, some of you will be coming up here shortly. And like five people from the audience were like, got hypnotized. And he's like, anybody who's hypnotized, come on up. It's like, okay. <laughs> That's called attention-seeking behavior. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? Nope. so let's say you're going to get hypnotized and this person is a wolf messing he's definitely going to be able to hypnotize you and he's going to plant a trigger in your head and the trigger is going to be a word or a sight or something that's going to happen to you at some point and it's going to cause you to do something really embarrassing like really out of character take off all your clothes or run screaming out a window or something he said, out of here. <laughs> now, this is only going to happen once. So the first time you hear this trigger, it'll happen, and it won't happen again after that. Okay. So how much to have this trigger implanted? I wouldn't be able to leave the house. <laughs> if, if it's just once, like... Yep, one time. I can I, rebuild I, that credibility. Give me like 20,000 bucks, and let's hope it's not while I'm at work or school. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't leave the house. <laughs> you listen to a, a a database that has every word in it on the internet. <laughs> You're listening to Dictionary on Tape. <laughs> when you hear your trigger word, word, you will attempt to pay for your next meal in girlish giggles. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm down for it, except for the embarrassing part. Yeah, I think that's kind of integral to this situation. <laughs> well, I don't want to be hypnotized at all? No. I mean, the biggest thing here is that. You have to deal with the fact that you have been hypnotized and doing something embarrassing once. Yeah. I, I do that for like 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't mostly just because I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but <laughs> yeah. I think I think that could be fun. And I just tell people I was hypnotized. I was, I was, hypnotized. Will they believe? I was yelling those racial slurs because I was hypnotized. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> 70,000. 70,000? That's not too That's bad. Not trying to be reasonable. I just won't leave my house. <laughs> I imagine this is going to happen while I'm like going through a TSA line or something. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the trigger, a TSA badge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you continue to take off all your clothes, you can just say you were being thorough. Yeah. The trigger is please empty your pockets. <laughs> You'll get written up as some sort of, you know, protest action. Yeah. yeah. You'll be a hero. <laughs> it says do not fly next to your name, but it also says nice dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm not very easily embarrassed. I think 5,000 bucks. Sure. I'd do that. I say we kill the wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let him get any of us. That's how we take his power. (laughs) No. I need Wolf Blitzer's power. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I create po- political holograms. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to our amazing editor, Gerard. If you'd like more of us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Acid Pop Podcast. You can get in contact with us on either Reddit or through our email. Our email is acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. And you can just look us up on Reddit. It's Acid Pop Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, you're getting very sleepy. I am very sleepy. You are. Bye. We don't even really have a baby. I hypnotized all of you into thinking so. <laughs> I've seen the pictures, though. I remember. It's <laughs> the part in the movie where you look down at the pictures and it's just like a background. <laughs> it's just Sean holding a sack of potatoes. <laughs> Boy, my, our Tiny Beans account must be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sean holding random things. Midna scratching at him. He's like, look at my child. <laughs>